0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back into the doghouse for a talk about Mississippi State sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray, and it's time to talk some more about Bulldog sports, beginning with, well, we'd rather not begin with last night in Oxford. No, I wasn't there. I covered from the safety of my couch. Justin Frommer took care of on-site coverage for Gene's page. And I almost wish I had been in the sense that at least when you're riding and working, maybe some of the frustration level is kind of tamped down in a sport like basketball, particularly one as fast-paced as that game was. It was an entertaining game. If you didn't have any stake in the outcome or you were for the home team, it was a thoroughly entertaining game. Even to be on the losing side, as the Bulldogs were, there were some exciting moments, Um, a stretch where you saw the potential of this offense sometimes at full speed, but ultimately frustrating because Coach Christian's team dropped a close decision in Oxford. Now, I believe the Rebels were favored if you uh, trust such things. I, I don't know. I have a bad enough record when picking football games against the spread i don't even want to think about what i'd be doing with basketball and all the unpredictabilities involved in that Uh, but it was a road game and mississippi state has obviously struggled in true road games what oh and five now four of those losses in sec play that was a very winnable game There was a stretch in the first half where you thought, yeah, they're going to get it done tonight because even though Tolu Smith was not playing well and just a miserable first half by his standards, you saw the offensive efforts of Josh Hubbard, who's only going to be getting better as this season goes on, and he certainly had a personal stake in last night's game, having originally committed to sign with Ole Miss, uh, opting out after their coaching change and coming to Mississippi State instead, thank goodness, because Where would this Bulldog team be right now without Josh Hubbard? Well, they'd be in a lot of trouble. By the way, I mentioned trouble. Let's go ahead and jump into that real briefly. That game, it didn't help their NCAA tournament status, but it didn't hurt it dramatically because State's net ranking before the game was number 37. What is its net ranking today? Number 37. It had no impact at all, at least as of today. It will show up over the long haul because you've got to have wins. And and that's what I keep stressing. The net is great. It's a good indicator that state's strength of schedule is good. Their quality of wins has been good, especially with two top 10 wins already. You flash back to the Saturday game with Auburn and thought, wow, here's a team that's fixing to get it together entirely, Uh, dominating the home floor, beating a very good Auburn team, albeit Auburn was in something of a slump coming up their loss at Alabama. Still, you thought, Now, after that win, they're going to take this on the road and get off that schneid, so to speak. Well, they didn't. They did make it entertaining, as I said, but the cost of it was State got into a high-scoring game, an end-to-end game, and that's just not a game they're really that well-equipped to play. They're better equipped to play it now with Hubbard in the lineup, Shaquille Moore coming on there. They did not have Trey Fort. Now, whether that would have made a difference last night or not, you never can tell. State's problems were not on the perimeter. You're getting great scoring there from Cam Matthews, great rebounding as compared to his recent trends. And that's the guy we've said often is the glue to this team in so many aspects. But that still was not the style of play that I'm pretty convinced Chris James wanted to get into on a hostile court. Ultimately, it played to Ole Miss' strengths. They had a couple of shooters go out of their mind. That happens on the home floor. Credit to them. They built just enough lead to hold off State. A couple of chances with the ball to come down and at least tie, possibly take the lead. State did not convert, did not get the right shots, and what shots they got didn't fall. And, Owen, oh, as they were that last shot, oh, well, yeah, everybody else surely expected Josh Hubbard to take it. But he got the ball in the inbounds, and when you do that, it's a little bit easier for the defense to adapt, to force you to get rid of the ball, which he did. But it was a great design play. You cannot argue with what the results were as far as getting the play developed and a chance to score the ball on a layup there, a challenge layup, still a layup. It just doesn't go. And then, of course, the bugaboo of free throws resurfaces, and there goes State's chance to win and to uh, keep a – win streak going against the Rebels. They would taken three straight. Last year was the first season sweep in state's favor in quite a while. A good accomplishment for Jan's rookie team. But now they've dropped a game to the Rebels on the road and they're back right where they started as far as the net. And they're also now another game under five hundred in SEC where they had a chance last night to square that account also. And again, as I said, the net's great. It's good. You hold up that net all the way through the rest of the season, and you've got a chance to cut down a few nets at the end of the season. But you need the wins. Going to, that's going to become preeminent. You're starting to get, and especially getting to get some road wins. Road wins count so much more in your net rankings as well, but it does all sorts of great things for your confidence. Now remember, this team proved itself could win on neutral floors pretty well back in preseason play. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, Tolu Smith was very good once he got in there in some preseason, um, that one chance non, in the non-conference season like that. Uh, but State just played well, and that would bode well, but you got to get there. And at some point, you just start to, I, I keep hammering the point, but it's there, and everybody knows that I'm not giving you any information you don't already understand. State has got to start getting some more Ws on that side of the record to feel really confident about the NCAA tournament bid, and for that matter, about what seeding they get in. I had an interesting conversation with the PR staff about uh, what their projections are as far as postseason, should they get in. Yeah, we talk about this kind of stuff off record, so I'm not going to quote anybody on it. But you're looking at it, you... yes, there are situations where you'd rather be, say, a 10-11-12 seed than an 8-9 and play an equal there, but by and large, it's just math. The better your seeding, the better your chance to advance. So State, as far as this weekend, all right, you're going to an Alabama team, which bluntly the Bulldogs should have beaten on their home floor a few weeks ago. Make the free throws. Amazing how that keeps resurfacing all the time. And State would have been in really good shape here. We do have to qualify all this by reminding that the Bulldogs in this first half of the SEC schedule, they've played literally the top half of the SEC standings. And now they're fixing to hit a stretch after Alabama, where I think four of the five opponents they have are right now in the bottom half, some of the bottom third entirely of the conference standings at this moment. Let's see what Georgia will be next Wednesday evening in Humphrey Coliseum. Then you go on a road trip to a really, really struggling Missouri team. And then you have a home game with an Arkansas team that is struggling almost as badly and has you know, their own issues coming off their great run of last postseason. It just hasn't worked out for the Razorbacks. I think that increasingly gonna me the nature of the college basketball, by the way, where you're either one injury, one transfer, or just one bad luck transfer recruiting class from having drop-off. By the same token, you're just that one away from being good again the next year. So one of those things about basketball, probably more so than any other sport, where what happens one year is not going to be a really – Big indicator of what happens the next year. Still, Mississippi State needs to make return trips to the NCAA tournament. They were uh, in the elimination round last year, the play in round, whatever you want to call it, lost, but at least you got back in the postseason. This was a season you wanted to build on that and make some progress. I still think they're going to make it, uh, unless they go into some sort of tank down the stretch, the schedule eases up. I don't see any signs that their confidence has been shaken. Maybe at the free throw line, but uh, you know, some. At, there, there comes a point there. You are what you are. If you try to overcoach it, overpractice it, you run the risk of making it worse and making other thing worse because it gets in their head. They don't want to be fouled and have to be sent to the line at crunch time like that. So I think Jans and staff just have to take it as it is and start working to their other strengths. As I mentioned, the offense is now becoming a strength. Hubbard. Uh, He had a great first half, struggled some in the second half, but only because the defensive intensity really cranked up on him. But look at his assist total. I don't think Josh Hubbard is your prototypical point guard by any stretch of the imagination. But when you come out there and put up seven assists total in a fast-paced game like that, and those assists are not going to a fellow named Tolu Smith who was struggling offensively to get the shots he liked and then to do something with it, that says much about the development of Hubbard here as he just accelerates through his true freshman season. He's definitely going to be on the SEC All-Freshman team. I think he's got a great shot to make All-SEC period, second or third team in some polls, maybe even get a little bit of Freshman All-America mentions out there as well, if he continues to play at this pace this season. And then his presence on the floor, I think it seems to make Shaquille Moore better. I think it makes Cam Matthews better. Now, oddly enough, you saw Deshaun Davis, who had just been terribly struggling as a starter, he comes in in relief last night and has his best offensive game in forever. So it's it's just strange how these things some work out. And again, makes it all the more frustrating that State did not win the game, because when Hubbard starts so well, Matthews plays well consistently, Shaquille Moore, and then Deshaun Davis come in and are contributing offensively as well, you should have won the game. They didn't. Tolu Smith is going to eat a lot of the pressure for that, and some of it is justified. Um, He has a tendency sometimes just not to play up to the, I'm not going to say the competition, because that was a team that nobody on their front court compares to his skill set. Just something happened. Yes, Ole Miss was absolutely determined not to let him take over the game early, which did free up Hubbard and others to make those shots, which they did. Still, there comes a point where your big dog has to assert himself. Tolu, he missed a couple of shots early. He did make a couple of free throws, ironically enough, although that fell apart again later. He had turnovers. He was just struggling with getting the ball to other players, not losing the handle. He took some unusual passes, that ended up costing the offense dearly, I thought. Just was out of sync all day. And when a guy like that, who's had so much success so many times, start struggling, you just see him trying to force things, uh, getting out of his own game. I thought that's what he did for stretch there. He ends up on the bench with fouls. It just was not being a factor. And so State had to take another approach. Now, I've looked at his record against Ole Miss. It's pretty good. In fact, State won those three straight games with Tolu playing well. And the last time they lost to Ole Miss, Tolu didn't play at all he was he missed that game back and i believe it was the game in oxford in 2022 so coincidence i don't think so i just think that here's a guy you know has played well before particularly in this matchup i think in the rematch he'll have a chance to show off in Hunter coliseum which he has done and you know it's not even so much road games i had to remind myself he played pretty well at kentucky what 11 of 15 shooting The team offensive, that was a game where Hubbard particularly struggled coming off the bench there. So there's not a lot of rhyme or reason or true trends to point up as far as the offensive, who's scoring, who isn't. I think a lot of that's going to be matchups. A lot of it's hot and cold. A lot of it's home and road. If I have a concern about this team, it's defensive. Never imagine I would be saying that because this is a program which is first built around defense. And yet, here this team is struggling to stop teams from scoring in stretches. The Auburn game, yes, that was a great defensive effort. Uh, We let off our game story about that. Getting back to an old defensive attitude paid off greatly for the Bulldogs. I'm wondering, though, if that was a little bit of an outlier. Because Auburn was struggling with their own shots. They they missed open shots. They were out of sync offensively. I'm not diminishing the victory. Realize that. Games like that happen, but Auburn got out of sync offensively. State had something to do with it. I think Auburn's own attitude coming off their loss had something to do with it. The larger point being the best defensive effort by State in it this SEC season may have been an outlier, as I say. I don't. I'm, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully that gets back to being the trend there. But otherwise, this is not a team that's played great defense most of SEC season, whether wins or losses. Good defense at times, but not consistently. Uh, They tend to go a little flat at times, get a little static there. You you know they know how to do it. They've proven it. But I'm wondering, and this is just me wondering because I don't get to hang around the team. All I know is what I see there and what the coaches and players say, and they don't give you sometimes a lot of information in those regards. But you see a team that is really focused on trying to get its offense in gear. I'm wondering if that's coming with some effect on the defensive end of the floor. Not their energy, not their effort, but the cohesion. And as noted, the Ole Miss game turned into a run-and-gun, end-of-court game. And that, again, is something State's not used to playing. Now they have more personnel that can play it. I mean, you put up over 80 points last night. You feel like you're getting something done offensively but I think the pace of play also contributed to some issues on defense. It's just human nature. You're scoring points, so maybe you're not quite as intense getting back down the court to stop the other team from scoring points. Yes, Ole Miss was out of their mind from the arc. stretches there. Um, When I looked at the stat sheet, they weren't as hot as I thought they were originally. It's, It's amazing how just a few makes really distort your impression of a game until you actually look at the numbers. Then again, impressions of the game affect how guys play the game. So I just get back to it. I I haven't seen this team playing the kind of efficient defense we know they're capable of, certainly from last season, for stretches this season. And maybe they're just not that good this season defensively. That doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they aren't as good as last year. Kind of a fine point, perhaps, but I just don't see the same efficiency. And if you're going to play Hubbard that much, I think it really takes a toll on you defensively because for all his athleticism and things, he's not a classical defender in so many aspects. Certainly he's not going to shut down physical point guards. So I think you have to work for different matchups out there. Again, this is something that can be fixed. It can be adjusted because they know how to play defense. But then again, maybe at some point, as I said about the free throwing and other things, you are what you are. We are seeing this offense taking shape in a different direction. Now that's changing. So if Mississippi State can keep riding that offense, they're going to get in some shootouts again the rest of the season. But as I noted, your schedule lightens up in the coming weeks, and those are the teams that you can pile up the points and hopefully pile up the Ws just by playing a little defense in those games. That's not Jan's recipe. He wants to play a lot of defense. But I want to correct a misimpression out there. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about offense. For goodness sakes, that is the dumbest take among many dumb takes that you get this time of year on message boards. And I can think of a couple of posters, not going to call you by name or poster title, who just convinced that State doesn't care about offense. That is so utterly wrongheaded. It just means that you built on the defense first because that's what last year's team was. This team now is getting better at the outside shot. They're certainly better on penetration. There were some moves last night. Just go, these guys can break a lot of people down one-on-one and score. That's a good sign. I guess ultimately I come away. Yes. You, you wanted that win. You had a chance to get that win. That's the frustration. The positive takeaway from it is they continue to show what they can do. They weren't supposed to win on the road in that particular matchup. Now you feel like you're getting closer to getting in one of those road wins. By the way, the road loss at South Carolina that we were moaning for weeks, well, that looks a little more respectable now, given what the Gamecocks have been doing home and road this season. It doesn't make it hurt any less on the record. But it just is a reminder that State played a really tough schedule in the first half of this SEC season with things setting up more positively. If they can carry this offensive attitude in these games, pick up the defensive play to what they're knowing. Get some guys healthy. Get Trey Fort back in. Now, how you work him in more, I don't really know because he plays Josh Hubbard's position. And while Herbert does have to take his rest, you don't want him off the court any more than you have to, given the energy he comes and just brings to everybody else out there. And also, uh, as I noted in a column today, yeah, we're picking on Tolu Smith for his lack of contributions. Jimmy Bell didn't do any better. One shot in 11 minutes. State's post play entirely. Not just one player, but the play of all the post was lacking last night in a game they should have been able to get some points up, and really put the pressure on the home team. They didn't. Ole Miss was able to match shot for shot, ease out to a lead and hold it on. So they get the win. State has the rematch in a couple of weeks. We'll see how it plays out at Humphrey Coliseum. By the way, Humphrey Coliseum, when you saw the energy and enthusiasm of the Auburn game, You know, Steve had a great column about how the hump is back getting fired up again this season. Well, part of that's the Lady Bulldogs, too, and it's time we turn to what Sam Purcell's team has also done. In fact, during pregame yesterday, like I said, because I didn't go, I'd spent uh, one of those take-the-mind-off-the-hook afternoons out at Startle Gun Club, turning some money to noise and generally getting really annoyed with myself. And, And just I could not pattern worth a darn with um, the pistol or the rifle there. So, yeah, just a reminder, that I got to have that cataract surgery coming up in February, so maybe that's my excuse in that regard. But it was a nice relaxation, then come home and start doing a little work on basketball because I'd been thinking about it since the end of the women's victory over LSU Monday night and boy, what a win that was. I was talking to Tom Green of the athletic department, one assistant ADs and uh, with basketball. And I mentioned, okay, here, here they've gone and make me have to do some research. When's the last time Mississippi state was able to beat a couple of top 10 teams in the same week, men and women. Well, I did my research and by the way, I truly appreciate what the media relations people have done with their media guides, even though they don't print them anymore. The online version is uh, got so many more options and pages available, including state's record against ranked opponents. So what in the past would have taken hours to grind through season by season by season, I was able to get done in about a half hour and come up with the answer. No. As best I can tell, in a week period, Mississippi State men and women, whoever did it first, have not each beaten a top ten opponent, particularly as an unranked team beating them. Now, when I say week, it doesn't mean the same calendar week, just a seven-day period. But those of you, those of us, I should say, who were there for both the men's win over Auburn and the women's victory over LSU. We saw history. It had never happened before. So at least got that clear out of the way. in a positive note for this week. And how positive was beating LSU? Now, the, the, net, the defending national champions are not going to defend their national championship. They're good. They're not nearly as good as last year. They have one of the best players in the game. And anytime you can hold, and I use that parenthetically, hold Angel Reese to 20 points, you feel like you've done a good day's work because State was able to shut down pretty much the rest of LSU's lineup, take advantage of a lot of their ball handling issues, and when Sam Purcell saw that Lauren Park Lane, who has acquitted herself well in most SEC matchups this year, was just getting overmatched physically, particularly with the ball, creating turnovers. Miracle Shepherd comes in, takes over the point, and State's offense starts finding a little more cohesion there. Jessica Carter does not have a big game offensively, but boy, did she show up on the defensive end, just limiting, not stopping, limiting the damage that she was doing in the paint. Maybe there's a lesson there for the men's team as well. Some fast, I've commented before, but it's still true, the parallels so many seasons we have between the men's and women's teams every season. And then you see Miracle Shepard take over offensively her stretch. J- Dracayla Jordan is having a big old game out there. Uh, she was fearless against her home state team. I think that New Orleans native is probably still celebrating the victory of the night. A great win for the Lady Bulldogs. Another net ranking win. And they are, as of today, number 27. They're in 17-5 overall. Uh, they've evened up their conference record. They're in really good postseason position. It's fascinating to see some of these bracketologies. And trust me, they know way more about this stuff than I do. So I'm not going to dispute what they say. But when the Lady Bulldogs are still listed as down there, you know, maybe in, maybe not kind of thing. Well, they're on their pace to being in. If they can keep this together, Sam Purcell is getting his roster back. He had 10 players able to go this past Monday night where they're much of the season been running on eight and for all realistic intended purposes, only six, maybe seven able to really play at a winning level. Now he's getting the bodies back. You saw players plugged in the other night making plays. In fact, state probably dominates that game the second half and not for some, oh, I'm going to sound like your typical old bulldog, but uh, some, let's just say dubious officiating tendencies out there. Not to say they favored one team over the other, but I'll go back to something many years ago an SEC official told trainer Paul Mock, who I used to sit and watch men's basketball practices with in the 80s and 90s, and he knew the officials really well in the SEC, and they, they just said bluntly, we know who's supposed to win the game. Now, that doesn't mean they call that way. He was saying that it's just human nature to know who the better team is and maybe sometimes to favor it, But LSU was getting away with a lot of hand-checking, sometimes outright hand-shoving, a lot of uh, Euro steps plus one, a lot of things like that. And Sam Purcell and the team could have really let that get to them. They didn't. That's another credit to that bunch. They were so intense on playing their game that night, they didn't even let the bad breaks in the officiating side go against them mentally. They just went ahead and did their thing And they did it well enough to beat a good top 10 LSU team. That really was a huge boost to their long-term picture as far as the NCAA tournament. It was a really big boost to their confidence going into the rest of the schedule that they really needed. And it's another sign that Sam Purcell is the right man for this job. he, he, He did not waste the opportunity in that. To put a plug in for recruiting as well saying come here listen to a loud and involved humphrey coliseum crowd and it was loud and involved i scored a couple of those free t-shirts myself kathy now has one to wear to the pool uh, when she goes to do her workouts there because she's a lady bulldog basketball fan as well so uh, cr- credit to msu marketing for helping turn that into an event a Great turnout for any night. It would have been for a Monday night. That was really impressive what all of y'all did showing up at the hump for that game. Were all the seats occupied? No, but all the seats were sold. And the actual capacity turned out to be a bit over what is officially listed. Now, their challenge, come down quick. You're going to Kentucky. And, of course, for Sam Purcell, longtime Louisville assistant recruiter, it means a little bit more playing the Wildcats, especially playing Lexington. So no rest, no relaxation for the Lady Bulldogs. They've got to come down really quickly and get themselves back in line because you just don't want to lose that momentum. You've just got a great big victory. Ride it. And especially because you're fixed to spend a while on the road, too. You know, Kentucky will be tough enough this Thursday evening to take care of, so that's going to demand all their efforts and intensities, but then you have to follow that up. You've got, let's see, let's scan through the schedule here. Um, yeah, oops, I'm looking at the wrong Kentucky. Okay, February 1, Thursday night, 6 o'clock in Lexington. Well, then you're going out to Texas A&M. Again, that's a winnable game for the Bulldogs, but... It's also a game you could easily lose on the road there before you're hosting Georgia on February 8th. That's a winnable game, quite obviously. You've got Florida coming in. Uh, It's also a winnable game because State was able to pull off in Gainesville. Uh, At Ole Miss, that's going to be uphill battle because the Rebels have got their act together. But then Kentucky coming to Starkville, um, Alabama in Tuscaloosa, go to Auburn. And uh, you know there'll be some motivation by Johnny Harris and her bunch, but I think State, if they can stay on a roll there, and of course, the close it out the regular season with the home game of the Missouri. Sam Purcell's bunch, things are setting up really well for them to make a run here in the second half of their own SEC season once they get into February and establish their position for the postseason as well, not not just the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament beyond it. So. I expect, again, to have both Bulldog basketball teams, men's and women, in the postseason this year. Women, I think, are a little more solid situation at the moment. The men, like I said, go win some games. All right, speaking of winning, um, it's all a little more tangible at this point, but you've got to like what Jeff Lebby has been able to do with his recruiting so far. Of course, um, Steve reported the full official spring enrollment class with, I think, a walk-on involved, who's hopefully to get cleared as well. But I did a little number crunching today because, remember, uh, next Wednesday, February 7th, starts the spring signing period. Uh, As I wrote in the story, I don't even capitalize the second second period anymore because it's become such a minor aspect of recruiting when most of it is done either in the December period, that's signing day as we used to know it, for your high school and junior college guys. And then you have the transfer portal working all the way into January. So that's your real recruiting, but it looks like State will officially add uh, wide receiver Francisco McGee. Everything we're told is that he's already signed. He's just waiting to make it official on that day. And why not? If you're not gonna enroll in spring, milk it, have a little fun with it and get the attention that day because he won't have a whole lot of competition around the country. Again, it's turned into such a secondary item, and I'm wondering if the NCAA has to do something different about its calendar portal and signing periods as well, because as I noted, I was talking on SEC radio, I believe it was a Monday, and I mentioned the fact that in Mississippi State's case, the spring game will be April 20th. The NCAA's transfer portal period opens on April 15th and runs through the 30th. So what are the prospects that the last week of your training camp, you start having players declare for the spring transfer window? I'm not saying that's going to happen at state. I'm just presenting the possibility there. And for any other school that chooses to start their spring football in the middle or late March, by the way, we'd still have a spring practice schedule. At one point, it looked like They may open it up early in March, but talking to the PR director, he still expects it to be after the spring break, which is March 11th through 15th for Mississippi State. What I'm getting at is the conflict between spring football and the second portal. It's not huge right now uh, because, again, your elite players are go ahead and jumping in winter. I kind of suspect, though, that you're going to start seeing more guys hold their fire until the spring period because... They know schools are out there looking to plug in places. Uh, you may not get the huge NIL deals, but if you're a guy who's desirable, you're going to have pretty much the field to yourself in the second portal period. So let's see if Jeff Lebby and staff are having their eyes on anyone or waiting for some guys that might jump in in spring ball. I uh, Haven't related that, of course, to the events with Alabama, Arizona, uh, Washington, other schools that had coaching changes. Don't really think that's going to be applicable at this point, but you never know. Larger point being about recruiting. I was asked this on the message boards. Uh, why am I so positive about it? I said, because look what Levy and staff have been doing in recent weeks at home basketball games. Look at the number of guys coming in, twenty twenty five prospects and beyond. Uh, check our reporting by Rion Young and Steve Robertson on all the guys who have been through here or are planning to make visits uh, guys who will be coming on unofficial trips through the spring semester and others. Lebby staff pulled in a big t- intra class, a big high school recruiting class, and JUCO class as well. I think if all these numbers hold up by the numbers I've figured out, it looks like 45% of state's roster come August will be new entirely to Bulldog football. Well, I say new entirely. Most of them will have been here now during spring and summer but you get the point. They weren't here in 2023, and they'll be playing their first ball either in the spring game on April 20th or getting into preseason scrimmages. Is that new to college football? No. A number of schools got a big jump on the transfer portal process and went whole hog into it immediately. State's taken a little longer to do it, and for obvious reasons, you had a couple of Uh, different mindsets among different coaching staffs there, but now you have a staff in that recognizes that's the way to go. And another factor that I think is not appreciated as much unless you followed last year's team, previous team, closely, 22 and 23 squads were loaded at the top age-wise. Juniors, COVID juniors, seniors, super seniors, and now they've transitioned out. That conveyor belt is run creating all those openings. Now it's easier to go fill all those slots with transfers, guys who know they're coming in to plug and play. They don't have to sit there and look at it. A linebacker says, oh, I don't want to wait behind Jet Johnson and Nate Johnson, uh, Nate Watson so long. Our offensive lineman who knew that the 23 team was going to be an all-senior starting line. Now they know all those jobs are wide open, so State was able to score more highly in the transfer portal just because opportunity was there and that's something we so easily forget about the portal. Guys have to have a place to play at some point. They can wait as long as they want to for the best NIL deal or not but sooner or later you've got to find a school to play ball not just get NIL. You've got to go play ball. Mississippi State had opportunities to play ball this year and a bunch of transfers jumped on it. I expect to pick up a few more here in the second spring period And you could easily see half of state's roster, fully half, being new to the program when preseason practices start in summer. All right, we're past the half-hour mark and have not even gotten into Diamond Dog Baseball. Of course, we had our media day this past Friday. You've been able to follow all the interviews we did. I think the only feature left to be published was on uh, Dakota Jordan. Justin's taking care of that once he gets through his basketball Uh, obligations. I had my features on Stone Simmons and Nate Dome. We had Bryce Chance, Amani Larry, uh, Colby Holcomb, and of course a long talk with Chris Lamonis himself, which is still available on Gene's page on the video. By the way, we thank all of y'all for checking out those videos because that's an area that we want to upgrade our game, uh, particularly because now we have more equipment and options to do it. We can get that done more quickly whether it's basketball, baseball, and, of course, spring football as well, to come. But Mike Nemeth has done a great job summarizing the first weekend of scrimmage games. Again, that started last Friday. So you can get some ideas of where some things are trending, uh, some health situations being clarified for the coming season. So check that out, Nemo's updates on there. So spring baseball, it's not that far away. What, January, February 16th? Wow. Wow less than three weeks away. A heavy home schedule to open it up. Uh, Do we know what the rotation is? Nope. You're gonna have to check all the practice reports coming between now and then. Some names are starting surfacing for the rotation, but in what order and what time? And oh, by the way, speaking of times, because state has a home basketball game, they haven't finished setting the game times for opening weekend with the Air Force just yet. That's going to come shortly. Also, uh, quickly hitting this, uh, let's see, besides signing day next week, that should be our first chance uh, to talk to a bunch of the new assistants and uh, some of the holdover assistants as well for Lebby staff. Uh, the Mississippi State's trying to put together a media day of sorts. Since there won't be a lot of recruiting news, why not have the staff come out there and talk? And uh, at some point in this coming month, we expect. The announcement by Athletic Director Zach Selman, originally planned for January. Events have pushed it back into February about long-range facilities plans and, more to the point, funding for those plans. What they want to do, where they're the going to spend it on. Plenty of news to come up in February. And we're going to cover it all here in the Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for checking us out. We'll be talking to you again next week ahead of the second signing period, uh, interviews with coaches, and a follow-up on did the Bulldogs get that first road win at Alabama? Did the Lady Bulldogs keep their momentum going? And where does basketball shape up in both directions for the NCAA tournament? Thanks for checking us out again. This is your host, David Murray. We'll be talking to you again soon.